Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 171. Today's big Bible questions. Will the return of Jesus be peaceful? And who is the rider on the white horse? So, hello, friends. Happy Wednesday to you. Back to Revelation today. But we have covered Psalms, Isaiah, and Deuteronomy in recent days, so I don't feel too bad about that. I often invite you guys to join us on Sunday mornings for our church live streams. And I'm actually going to invite you to join us tonight as well. 7 p.m. Pacific, we will be kicking off a Wednesday night series at our church, live streamed on Facebook on race and the Bible, what the Bible says about who we are and how we are to act towards one another. Just go to Facebook and type VBC Salinas and join us for the live stream at 7 p.m. And be sure and say hello. Leave a comment or two. Today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy 22, Psalms 110 and 111, Isaiah 49, and Revelation 19. Revelation 19, probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because we get this incredible picture of Jesus arrayed as a mighty and glorious warrior riding on a white horse and heading to earth to conquer. Now, when Jesus came the first time, you know, when he was born uh, in a manger to Mary and Joseph, he was meek and mild and incredibly gentle. So consider the description of the first coming of Jesus by Isaiah the prophet, which is also recorded in Matthew. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. So when Jesus came the first time, he came proclaiming good news, and he came with great gentleness and meekness. Now, as a reminder from when we talked about meekness a few episodes ago, meekness does not equate to weakness. Meekness is sort of like power clothed with humility. As Jesus said when he was being killed on the cross, he could have called down multiple legions of angels, but he didn't. This is meekness, and Jesus came in meekness. One more example of the meekness of Jesus at his first advent or his first coming, he rode a donkey into the city of Jerusalem. Imagine that, the king of kings on a donkey? So Matthew 21, 1-5 tells us, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken of through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this was the first coming of Jesus, and as we will see in Revelation, his return is going to be quite different from that. So let's read the passage and find out. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. After this, I heard something like the loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous because he has judged the notorious prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and he has avenged the blood of his servants that was on her hands. A second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke ascends forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who is seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. 
A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his servants and the ones who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, These words of God are true. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth, so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he called out in a loud voice, saying to all the birds flying high overhead, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of military commanders, the flesh of the mighty, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of everyone, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and against his army. But the beast was taken prisoner, and along with it the false prophet, who had performed the signs in its presence. He deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image with, image with these signs. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds ate their fill of their flesh. Well, this is quite a contrast from the first advent or coming of Jesus. He's now on a war horse. He is now coming in kingly authority. Now, not just the authority of one king, but multiple kings. He has multiple crowns on his head. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's coming with fiery eyes and an army behind him. He is coming with a giant sword, and we are told the purpose of that sword. It's not just for looks. It's not just for decorations. It is for striking the nations and the people of the nation. The beast and his minions will gather an army to fight against the coming king of kings, and they will be utterly defeated. And the chapter ends with this glorious and violent verse. The rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds ate their fill of their flesh. Oh, my goodness gracious. It is here in Revelation 19 that we realize that passages like Romans 12:19 is are literal. Which Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And also passages like Hebrews ten thirty and 31. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. 
repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I don't believe those passages are symbolic, but they are frighteningly literal. When Jesus returns, it won't be to allow himself to be re-crucified. It won't be to be born in a manger in humble circumstances. It won't be to lay down his life again. It won't be to allow his enemies to whip him, beat him, mock him, and slap him. It will be very, very different. Isaiah 63 is a very powerful passage that looks forward to this return of Jesus. Now, in Revelation 19.13, we learn that Jesus, upon his return, is somehow wearing a robe dipped in blood. Now, for years I read that and just assumed that it had something to do with the crucifixion. It was like an outward manifestation of the fact that Jesus was crucified. But no, that's not where the blood on the robe is from. The blood on the robe, as we will read in Isaiah 63, is from a surprising place. So Isaiah 63 says this, and it's uh, it's a prophecy that looks forward to the coming of the Messiah, the second coming of the Messiah in this case, and it says, Who is this who comes from Edom in crimsoned garments from Basra? He who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. And the person answers, It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your clothing red and your garments like him who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart and my year of redemption had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation and my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drink in my wrath. I made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. So the obvious answer to our question is that the King of Kings is returning in might and power and not peacefully. And it is this time when all the people of the earth are sort of going to be either aligned with Jesus or aligned against him. And the way it's going to end is that every knee will bow down to him by faith or by his power. Now, as I often do, allow me to close with a bit of uh, lovely words from Charles Spurgeon. And he says, May the two-edged sword which comes out of his mouth smite or crush all my besetting sins. May the brightness of his face scorch and burn up in me the very roots of evil. May he ride, may he mount his white horse and ride through my soul, conquering and to conquer, casting out of me all that is of the old dragon and his inventions, and bringing every thought into subjection to himself. There would I lie at his dear conquering feet, slain by his mighty grace. Amen. Spurgeon reminding us that the very sin that Jesus is coming to purge is in us and must be purged and repented of now. Let's continue reading in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 1. If you see your brother Israelite's ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it. Make sure you return it to your brother. If your brother does not live near you or you don't know him, you are to bring the animal to your home to remain with you until your brother comes looking for it. Then you can return it to him. Do the same for his donkey, his garment, or anything your brother has lost and you have found. You must not ignore it. If you see your brother's donkey or ox fallen down on the road, do not ignore it. Help him lift it up. 
A woman is not to wear male clothing, and a man is not to put on a woman's garment, for everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord your God. If you come across a bird's nest with chicks or eggs, either in a tree or on the ground along the road, and the mother is sitting on the chicks or eggs, do not take the mother along with the young. You may take the young for yourself, but be sure to let the mother go free so that you may prosper and live long. If you build a new house, make a railing around your roof so that you don't bring blood guilt on your house if someone falls from it. Do not plant your vineyard with two types of seed, and otherwise the entire harvest, both the crop you plant and the produce of the vineyard, will be defiled. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Do not wear clothes made of both wool and linen. Make tassels on the four corners of the outer garment you wear. If a man marries a woman, has sexual relations with her, and comes to hate her, and accuses her of shameful conduct, and gives her a bad name, saying, I married this woman and was intimate with her, but I didn't find any evidence of her virginity, the young woman's father and mother will take the evidence of her virginity and bring it to the city elders at the city gate. The young woman's father will say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as a wife, but he hates her. He has accused her of shameful conduct, saying, I didn't find any evidence of your daughter's virginity, but here is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. They will spread out the cloth before the city elders. Then the elders of the city will take the man and punish him. They will also fine him a hundred shekels and give him to the young woman's father, because that man gave an Israelite virgin a bad name. She will remain his wife. He cannot divorce her as long as he lives. But if this accusation is true... And no evidence of the young woman's virginity is found. They will bring the woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city will stone her to death, for she has committed an outrage in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her father's house. You must purge the evil from you. If a man is discovered having sexual relations with another man's wife, both the man who had sex with the woman and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. If there is a young woman who is a virgin engaged to a man, and another man encounters her in the city and sleeps with her, Take the two of them out to the gate of the city and stone them to death. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he has violated his neighbor's fiancée. You must purge the evil from you. But if the man encounters an engaged woman in the open country and he seizes and rapes her, only the man who raped her must die. Do nothing to the young woman, because she is not guilty of an offense deserving death. The case is just like one in which a man attacks his neighbor and murders him. When he found her in the field, the engaged woman cried out, but there was no one to rescue her. If a man encounters a young woman, a virgin who is not engaged, takes hold of her and rapes her, and they are discovered, the man who raped her is to give the young woman's father fifty silver shekels, and she will become his wife because he violated her. He cannot divorce her as long as he lives. A man is not to marry his father's wife. He must not violate his father's marriage bed. Psalm 110, verse 1. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer on your day of battle. In holy splendor from the womb of the dawn, the dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever, according to the pattern of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his anger. He will judge the nations, heaping up corpses. He will crush leaders over the entire world. He will drink from the brook by the road. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Psalm 111. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with all my heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the Lord's works are great, studied by all who delight in them. 
All that he does is splendid and majestic. His righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has provided food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works by giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his instructions are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in truth and in uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. Psalm 49. I'm sorry, Isaiah 49, verse 1. Coasts and islands, listen to me. Distant peoples, pay attention. The Lord called me before I was born. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. He made my words like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I myself said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in futility. Yet my vindication is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. And now, says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations." to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, says, to one who is despised, to one abhorred by people, to a servant of rulers. Kings will see, princes will stand up, and they will all bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. This is what the Lord says, I will answer you in a time of favor, and I will help you in the day of salvation. I will keep you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, to make them possessions, possess the desolate inheritances, saying to the prisoners, come out and to those who are in darkness, show yourself. They will feed along the pathways and their pastures will be on the barren heights. They will not hunger or thirst. The scorching heat or sun will not strike them for their compassionate one will guide them and lead them to springs. I will make all my mountains into a road and my highways will be raised up. See, these will come from far away, from the north and from the west, and from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, you heavens. Earth, rejoice. Mountains, break into joyful shouts. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have a compassion on his afflicted ones. Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry. Those who destroy and devastate you will leave you. Look up and look around. They all gather together. They come to you as I live. This is the Lord's declaration. You will wear all your children as jewelry and put them on as a bride does. For your waste and desolate places and your land marked by ruins will now be indeed too small for the inhabitants. And those who swallowed you will up will be far away. Yet as you listen, the children that you have been deprived of will say, This place is too small for me. Make room for me so that I may settle. Then you will say within yourself, Who fathered these for me? I was deprived of my children and unable to conceive, exiled and wandering. But who brought them up? 
See, I was left by myself. But these, where did they come from? This is what the Lord God says. Look, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down to you with their faces to the ground and lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who put their hope in me will not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from a mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be delivered? For this is what the Lord says, even the captives of a mighty man will be taken and the prey of a tyrant will be delivered. I will contend with the one who contends with you and I will save your children. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh and they will be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. Then all humanity will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Well, amen, friends. I hope the word has been a blessing to you and an encouragement to you and that we remember that he, the Lord, is our Savior, our Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. May he bless you and keep you. Good day. Godspeed.